Hi, football fan, and welcome to the home of football. Every month, people from 433 travel all over the world to create football content. They travel from derbies in Turkey to stars in the Premier League to upcoming talents in the Bundesliga. A lot of interesting things happen on the road, so once a month, I sit down with a couple of colleagues to talk about our latest adventures in the world of football. This is Inside 433. Let's go. Alright, we're back at the offices at the headquarters of the company for a new podcast, an Inside 433 podcast. We've got a different lineup this time. One of the guys is still the same. The other two will be different. And I have to start off right away with, you know, setting something straight. Made a big mistake last time. Had a horrible introduction for this guy. <laughs> well, it wasn't even an introduction, no, actually. No, Tim, can you uh, say what you are doing here at 43? <laughs> so, so I'll give you a proper introduction this time. Thank you. All right. He's been working at the company for over five years now. He's the face and the voice of the Dutch part of the company. It's the man, Tim van Dam. Thank you. Thank you. I feel uh, very welcome here now. <laughs> and um, How are you feeling today, Tim? Yeah, actually... I've been rushing all day, so. yeah. but now I'm here and I'm excited to uh, record the second podcast. And um, I feel really good that you uh, said something straight <laughs> because people need to realize, people that listen to this podcast need to realize that yeah. I'm quite a big deal here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. I said you were a, a loudmouth last time as well. <laughs> That's yeah. pretty correct. All right, our other guest, he's new. His name was mentioned in the last Inside 433 podcast because we uh, talked about the Pedri video he made. Uh, he also made a lot of other good videos. Uh, the Neymar video we made here was a big part of that. He made a short documentary on Maradona after he passed away. One of the most talented videographers of the company, Rijn van Dam. Rijn, yeah. how are you doing? Good. Thanks for having me. All right. I appreciate the introduction. <laughs> yeah, thought I would do it straight away this time. Yeah, yeah, you need to learn from your mistakes, I think. So. Yeah, you've done a good job. Okay, thanks, guys. So I want to talk a lot about the work you've done for the company, especially you, Ryan, because you weren't here last time. But first, we're going to listen to a clip I recorded with James Threlfall. He's one of the hosts of 433 on Instagram. He's from England. He lives there as well. And James started to work for the company last year, just like me. And we talked about how he got involved with 433 and some of the wild experiences he had so far. Here's James on how he started to work for the company. A friend of mine um, basically had seen this post that 433 were looking for a new host, sent it through to me. And I was like, man, started just looking through 433's content. And I was like, this, this is a dream. <laughs> like this sounds, this sounds amazing. Um, my main concern though, and I know we've discussed this before in various different conversations, Sam, but like my concern was that 433 were, were going to be looking for someone that really knew loads about like the technicalities of football. And like for me, that's just not what football is. Like I'm, I'm about, you know, getting together with my friends, having some food, having some drinks and watching the game. And I'll leave that side of things to the pundits. They know what they're doing. The ex-players and stuff. I've never played football to a high level. I'm just a fan. Um, I'm a fan of Spurs. Um, unfortunately, it, it hurts a lot of the time. Um, but no, I like, you know, I'm just, I'm just a fan. So yeah. I was a little bit concerned that maybe I wasn't going to be the right fit. But then I started looking into it and it seemed like 433 wanted to do more of the kind of entertaining side 
It's not about breaking down the play. It's about capturing the atmosphere, like giving access to fans. Like, you know, we were in Frankfurt the other day and had amazing access for the Europa League quarterfinals. And we were pitch side and we were going, you know, through all the mix zone and everything. And it's, fans don't get to see that, you know? And that was, that was what it was, that was what it was all about. And so I kind of threw my hat in the ring there. Um, And yeah, it became like this competition and, yeah, got this crazy email saying that I'd made it to the final eight and then I had to do kind of another little thing to get through to the final four. And then we did, it was a Europa League uh, takeover that we had to do as like our final task. And um, yeah, then was told off the back of that that I was the new host for 433 alongside Metachan, which was crazy. Like I never expected to get to that point, man. So yeah, it's just, just a wicked experience. And right in time for the Euros as well, which is perfect. Yeah, awesome, man. What was your first uh, big assignment, so to speak? My first big assignment was the Euros, which is like <laughs> it's thrown in thrown in at the deep end. So I think the first one was England-Scotland as well. So it was like a massive rivalry, like walking into Wembley and it was crazy. Like, I think I got there at about like four or five hours before kickoff and it was already going wild outside the stadium. <laughs> um, so yeah, that, it was it was a great experience, man. And then for the remaining ones, I was at Wembley, um, which was an amazing experience and I guess worked quite well because obviously all the travel bands were kind of coming in and going out and stuff. So at least... I guess from four through three's perspective, it was like, we knew I was good to be at Wembley. Even if no one else could be there, I could be there. So, (laughs) but I guess that was kind of, man, like being thrown in at the deep end, like usually when we do these takeovers, like myself and Luai were at Frankfurt the other day, shouts to Luai. Um, And he he works obviously for four, three, three as well. He's there like filming and uh, like handling a lot of the takeover. And, you know, there's sometimes where I'd be like, oh, can you just like, can you mention this in this take and we'll just do it again. And can you just try and get this in or can we shoot this a certain way where I was the only one at Wembley I'd only just started and it was you like were by yourself yeah that's what I'm saying wow. so no one else could fly in so I hadn't really done anything I hadn't oh, really, really done much for 433 and it's like <laughs> boom here we are at Wembley on our own like trying to gather content it was um it was crazy but like a really good experience I think sometimes yeah. you're you're best off being thrown in at the deep end like that you know yeah what was the final like man the final was unbelievable um and yeah i like i could i couldn't believe it we had um we we were very kindly hooked up through uh justy i believe it was who uh was sponsoring and obviously have a good relationship with 433 so very kindly gave us some complimentary tickets and a hotel as well man like i wasn't expecting that yeah we got looked after we got looked after but they gave they gave they gave us some tickets to to go and watch the final which was like i would sit anywhere just to be in that stadium um And then I I remember my, I think I've got it behind me in the drawer. I've like saved it. Um, (laughs) But I remember looking at it and I was like, I think those are pretty good seats. I think that's quite close. And it was like, because it was like a low row number. I think it was like row three. And I was like, oh, maybe I'm just like row three in like, you know, the upper, the upper section. And then I got into the stadium and I was like finding my section and I was walking down the rows and I was like, we are literally... (laughs) The front row, because the two, the two rows, the two rows in front of us, they were using for like the, I think, I don't know if it was like a COVID barrier or what, but they had like some material over the front two rows. Uh. And then it was us. And we were at the, and we were at the halfway line. 
it was incredible. just like what? it was just insane it was just insane so yeah that was that was a wild experience and obviously you know being an England fan we try and stay impartial obviously with these takeovers <laughs> but you know being from England it was kind of hard to do that and Luke Shaw scored immediately um, but then Italy came right back into the game and then yeah it went down to the penalties at the end and it was just oh man it was crazy but it, it, like you know it didn't obviously go uh, my way as, as <laughs> someone from England but what an experience and the Italian fans were amazing like they were they were having so much fun and they'd been really fun earlier in the day when we chatted to them and yeah there was a guy I saw on the train who was very proudly still wearing his Italian shirt and I was like you're very brave but like you know I was giving it giving him knucks because uh yeah you know you you've got to appreciate you've got to appreciate in that scenario and he was he was buzzing so um yeah it was a wild experience wild experience man yeah quite the experiences uh, to start with and then what are some of the things you already mentioned? The uh, uh, Eintracht Frankfurt uh, Barcelona game that was very recently. You went with Luai, one of our colleagues. I saw you having some fun with a scooter or something uh, <laughs> over there. What yeah, we're some pulling the, some moves. <laughs> you were definitely pulling some moves. What are some of the trips you've been on uh, since then? Man, um, so obviously that was the most recent. Um, I don't know where we're going next. I don't like it's always so last minute. It's so fu- it's so funny just getting the WhatsApp and I'm like, yes, where are we going? Where are we going? Um, but yeah, we went out to Marseille for Marseille versus PSG not that long ago. We went to another Barca game as well, which was crazy. Like, yeah, getting to do getting to do quite a lot in Europe. The thing I haven't done yet though is a Premier League game. Which is crazy because I'm in England. So it's like, <laughs> I'm, I'm saying to the guys, like, get me into a Premier League game. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Ideally Tottenham. We were meant to do the North London derby. Myself and Anton, another colleague. Um, we were meant to do the North London derby, but that unfortunately uh, got postponed. So I saw that the date has finally come up for that. So as soon as that came out, I was like sending it to Anton and I was like, right, we need to get this in the calendar. Start sending some emails because yeah, Spurs Arsenal at Spurs. We need to need to make that happen. All right, uh, James, do you have uh, another game scheduled or is it just uh, you'll get a text message two days before you leave, one day before you leave? Literally, so Frankfurt was Monday. I got the text and we were flying on Wednesday. So (laughs) who knows? I think there's uh, at the time of recording this, there is talk of uh, some Champions League and Europa League games to come. Um, So fingers crossed for that. Fingers crossed for that. But um, yeah, if Anton's listening to this, North London derby, let's make it happen. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) All right, James. Thank you very much for your time. And uh, yeah, I'll talk to you uh, soon. Always a pleasure, mate. Thank you. He's such a nice guy, isn't it? Yeah, James is awesome. Yeah, he's actually thinking about coming to the office uh, sometime because, of course, we're in the Netherlands. He is in England and he never met all of us in person. So uh, really looking forward to having a beer with him. He met me in person. Oh, really? Yes, we we worked together on the Akinfenwa project. Oh, of course. He's a really nice, energetic positive guy um yeah just how we like it and for him it's sometimes difficult because we are based here and he's yeah in england and he's also has a tight schedule but really talented also works for the bbc and other media he's a very talented guy yeah. Yeah. and you know how it works here like, uh, okay in uh, inside two days we have uh, an appointment with uh, chelsea for yeah, example exactly then he says yeah inside two days well yeah that won't work for me so yeah really difficult to plan those kind of things but for example games and that kind of stuff yeah so um james told us about how he started to work for the company rein how did you get involved with the company I work here now for a year and a half, mm. so not that long. I used to be a PE teacher, 
Uh, really? Yeah, at a primary school here in Amsterdam. Cool. And I think I started with videos four or five years ago, just with an iPhone, then a GoPro, then I bought a drone. <laughs> and people were like, you should start your own company. But I was like, mm, why? <laughs> but I listened, I bought my first camera and it kind of went automatically, I guess, because I shot a lot of things for myself, travel, things with friends. Yeah. And then at one point, I think the content was so good that Demi, our boss. Demi the um, Yeah, Demi the he slided in my DMs. He said, oh, you yeah. got a DM, yeah. <laughs> With a That's question. Way, huh? He got yeah, wine yeah, and yeah, dine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he, he just, that's the only thing he said. You make cool videos. You want to come and work for us? What did you think then? What? <laughs> <laughs> like, how, first of all, how did he end up on my page yeah i think it was because i was at uh i filmed something with Alger Elia, mm. who uh used to be or is one of the founders of baller yeah he used I'm to correct. be one of the investors at least and now yeah. he's uh, he's gone but you know he was an investor yeah yeah exactly so i uh, he invited me to come to istanbul to film a video so i went there and then uh Elgero was in amsterdam mm. he contacted me are you willing to shoot a video i was like yeah of course and then i ended up here not <laughs> knowing that Eight months later, I would actually work here. Uh, crazy. Yeah. And I started during the time of COVID. So yeah. it was kind of a rough start. Yeah. Because I, will, I went from teaching 250 kids, <laughs> seeing them each week, to being, back then I used to live with my brother, living with my brother in an apartment in Amsterdam of 40 square meters. <laughs> so the start was a bit rough also yeah. because we couldn't, do a lot, yeah. Do a lot with the players. There are managers involved, clubs involved, players, of course, didn't want to get COVID and you don't want to take the risk. Yeah. But in the end, it it paid out. Yeah. All right. So what's been the most amazing project you've worked on so far? What's something you experienced here that you thought, well, it's crazy. I'm experiencing this right now. Oh, there are a bunch. But the first one that comes to mind is Maradona. That's also one of the first projects I did. Mm. And I did it all by myself. Cool. So that one was unique. Then, of course, we have Neymar. Yeah. We have Memphis Depay. Mm. Uh, I shot a European H&M campaign, uh, collaboration cool. between H&M and 433. What else? Well, we did a lot of things. Let's talk about the Maradona one, the first one you yeah. mentioned. So that was after he passed away, right? For people who haven't seen it, what happened here at the company and what was the process like for you to make that video? If I'm correct, he passed away on Wednesday. And Wednesday evening, I got a call from Demi asking me if I had plans on Thursday. <laughs> I had no clue what he wanted to ask. I was like, no, I don't have any plans whatsoever. I said, okay, we're going to fly you out to Naples to document what's going on there. Hmm. I was like, well, sounds amazing. <laughs> Once in a up. lifetime opportunity. But I didn't have the equipment. I didn't have a negative PCR. I had nothing. Yeah. There were no interviews scheduled. I had, I had a flight. And I had a hotel. Was it just you on your own? Yeah, it was just me. Wow. So it was just go there and see what you can make. Yeah, yeah. So uh, in the evening, I picked everything up, went to bed, woke up early. Demi picked me up uh, at my place. We did, a, we did the test. I flew to Naples. I got the ticket, actually. And it said <laughs> business class. Because they, bu they, they booked... Yeah, that's what I thought. They booked the ticket the day before. So the whole plane was packed, but there was business class. I was like, oh, nice. I'll be able to stretch my legs, <laughs> have some champagne. 
but then it was Italia, so it was just a first row seat. Oh, okay. But yeah, still, yeah, it's still, it's still, it was still very good. Yeah. And then I came here, and then the, I guess the power of social media, because we got in touch with, uh, with a guy who's from Naples, and yeah. he showed me around. But while being there, Fischel, who helped a lot from 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 in, Amsterdam, from the, yeah, yeah. So he was reaching out to people in Naples. So in the end, we got to speak with. Daisy Bell, if I'm correct. I mean the the announcer of 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 Naples. Oh yeah, the the guy who always announces stuff in a stadium. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's insane. Yeah. yeah. And uh, after the interview, I asked him, "Do you know any people who may have stories about Maradona when he played here? Maybe personal stories?" He said, "I can give you a number of the captain back then. It was Giuseppe Bruscolotti. Mm. Well pronounced." Huh? And he said, "You can give it a try." So we texted him. And he actually answered. Ah, that's great, man. Yeah. So, and he didn't uh, gave a statement or anything. So we were the first ones there. Yeah. So we walked up and we had a, um, a driver who drove us through Naples, which was the driver of Dries Mertens. Is yeah. the driver of Dries Mertens. Cool. So he basically gave me a whole tour around Naples, showed me the best places, took me to the uh, Murales. Crazy. Yeah. And when we arrived at the... Um, Giuseppe Bruscolotti, he opened the garden, we were standing outside, and while the interview was going, he got very emotional, till at one point he was like, no, I, I can't do it anymore, oh, wow. because he got too emotional, tears in his eyes, and we were wow. like, okay, like we respected his decision, and then we went away, but it's, there's so much happening on a trip like that, I was there for three days, Yeah, like it's very intense, Yeah, because you have to capture everything, you're in the middle of, of a madness. It's so emotional. Yeah, especially in the the first evening when I arrived, I had to go to the hotel, drop my stuff, and then I straight I went straight to the stadium because there were thousands of people. Crazy. Just paying show. tribute to Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Crazy. And it was basically they were celebrating the fact that he played football there. Yeah. So they were it was more happy than sadness, which was very uh un unusual if some someone mm. passes away. Yeah. So that was a big party. Cool. Yeah, yes. just these things you... Like sometimes you, you forget to appreciate the things you experience here yeah, because yeah. it's so much and everything is going so fast. But that was one of the coolest things I've done. I want to add two things to the uh, Maradona story because sure. it was his first project. Yeah. And um, I don't want to be that sentimental, happy guy, but... He's the perfect guy to send on his own mm. to a big city. And I believe that, yeah. Because uh, uh, Rein is, he, you're really bold. You're uh, not bold like me, but no, I'm bolding bold actually. actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, but bold both, is it? it works both ways, but he, he, he dares stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's confident. Yeah, like uh, if you are, uh, Rein doesn't ask himself, is this possible? He just he's just doing tries it. it. Yeah, Don't, he doesn't ask any questions he's just going for it yeah that was my experience with him when i first went abroad with him mm. okay yeah he's just really cool and confident about that and i think the second thing i want to add is that when you're alone and you work for 43 then you get all the space and uh f for your own creativity like mm. it's not like that you have to answer to a manager and a manager and a manager it's just i want to make this Yeah, and then you can make that if it's in between. Yeah, if it's content yeah. for 43. Yeah, cool. That's cool. Yeah, I think that's also the good thing about working here because you do get a lot of space 
to be creative and they have a lot of trust in you as a creator. So if, for example, there's an idea to shoot a campaign, but you're like, no, I think this can be better. The message can be stronger Then they are like, they listen to you. Mm. Yeah. So you both worked on uh, the Neymar campaign with Puma, which was a big project as well. Neymar, one of the top five players in the world. Uh, what was that like? When I w- look back at that week, that's ju- it. Well, it's just like then I tell, yeah, I yeah, we made a campaign with with Neymar for a big company. That's great. Yeah. But it was six days of pure stress <laughs> and. <laughs> Running and arranging stuff and uh, working uh, hours were really long, I think. But then again, it was also really fun. Where were you? Uh, in the in the center of Paris, just really. Oh, wow. uh, uh, and the whole city was closed mm. because of COVID. So even restaurants, they were everything was closed except for supermarkets, and there was a curfew which we didn't have to oblige because we worked for media, mm. and so. Um, yeah, it was a lot of stress, but then again, it was also really fun. Um, I, I was part of the production team, so um, I had to drive the the van, yeah. and I, it had to go up seven stories in a, a parking lot, <laughs> and it was so stressful. And then, then I was at the top, and then they told me, "Yeah, you can't park here," so <laughs> I had to go. <laughs> I had to go back with, and. It was uh, we, were, we were with seven people or something. It was so much chaos, but then again, yeah. In the end, it worked out really great, and it looked, yeah, it looked really good. I think. Yeah, yeah. The, what Puma did is they rented out uh, the top of a of a garage in the center of Paris, so they blocked out two uh, two floors basically, uh, and we got our own kind of small indoor space yeah. to build our build Studio. our set basically. Yeah. Uh, and they were shooting downstairs. So Puma had Neymar first for four hours straight. And after we, at least the planning, on the planning, it said that we would have him for 45 minutes. But of course, as always, when you're shooting Lost, with 43 yeah. with players, things happen, things come in between. Instead of 45, we ended up having 25 minutes. Oof, yeah. Yeah. So That's it was, yeah. And But the, also the good thing is because we were a day prior day prior before the shooting we were already in the garage building the set and there was a body double so it's basically someone who looks just like Neymar like identical same tattoos same haircut same body type Ah, that's funny yeah so we did a full run through of the shoot so when Neymar actually came everybody was laser focused everybody knew what they had to do and uh, Kwang he doesn't work here anymore but he was together with Demi, uh, the creative director, and they did an amazing job. Cool. So for Neymar, I imagine, I never met the guy, but he just had a four-hour shoot, and then he arrived at your place. Maybe he was also feeling like it should be quick. What was that like? Well, I I was standing next to Rijn when he entered uh, the room. Yeah. And uh, like the elevator doors, they, they opened up, and then he walked out with four uh, security guards. Yeah. And then I think I think that was really a sad moment because yeah, he, he walks out of the elevator and like 60 or 100 people of multiple shoots, yeah. they were looking at him like he's a sort of a polar bear trapped in a cage in a, in a zoo. Yeah. I think that's that's no life as well. Yeah. And then four hours long, it was just for him, yeah. Hard work. Yeah, of course, it's, it's, it's a nuanced story because he gets paid a lot for it also. So... 
But then again, yeah, if the, the whole time you hear your own name, yeah, yeah, can you do this? Can you do that? Can you do this? And nobody's asking you like, are you okay or something? Yeah, yeah, it seemed a bit lon- lonely to me, and uh, it's hard for work for the football players as well. And it's not all fun, right? Yeah. No, people no. see the advert, they think this is really cool, but it's hard work for for those guys as well, of course. Yeah, it's long days if you've just practiced for two hours and then you have a shoot for four hours. Yeah. It was basically outside because the garage on top was open, so we had to be there in a t-shirt all day. Then one of the generators broke. I don't know if you remember. There was oh. a guy running up, help, help! He's like, what's up? He's like, yeah, one of the generators broke. Crazy. And then like those things don't help on on days like that. Of course, things can happen so the video was about neymar um now and as a kid and there were what was the the format of the video yeah there are two two different videos from the shoot one was uh, of his clothing line yeah. he had together with puma and it was i think before the copa america yeah and the other one was for his foundation uh where he got a call Got in a FaceTime, in a video call together with kids from Brazil as a surprise. Cool. So that was also very cool to see. But we, unfortunately, we couldn't go there ourselves because of COVID. Yeah. But there was another videographer, uh, which we hired, and he was able to shoot everything in Brazil. So that turned out great as well. It's very cool, man. And I remember that after I was working here when the shoot was almost done, I think. And then uh, Puma was also really excited about the video as well, right? I think it was one of the best performing videos Puma ever had yeah, on socials. So yeah. Okay. And it was it, like for, for us, if you only take 43 in mind, it was uh, really a high point because it's, yeah, we really thought it's a next next step in our video production. Yeah. Um, it's it's a next step in what what we want to achieve, and I cool. think that was really cool. All right, guys. So during these trips, we also experienced things that have nothing to do with football. And Ryan, you once had a, an incredible experience. You went to a UFC event. I'm very jealous of that. What happened there? Yeah. Uh, besides football, I just love sports in general. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's because of 43 that you have such uh, like a many you have many connections. Yeah. I think I can thank Fischl for this one uh, because we were in Dubai for two weeks. Even Tim agrees, so that's yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we were in Dubai for two weeks because we had multiple projects that we were going to shoot there. Yeah. And at one point, Fischl, he's not a fan of MMA, UFC or anything. So he just very casually asks, hey guys, I uh, just spoke to someone and we can meet Khabib. Like, Khabib Nurmagomedov. <laughs> yeah, like, and, and he... he he said it like super casual, like, ah, oh, okay. And I don't get nervous at all with poop. Like I don't, I see everybody as like normal people. And I like to have conversations with, with players as well. Not about football, but about yeah. everything. But meeting, like, first of all, I never expected to, to meet him because of when, yeah. there's no way. How? Yeah. Yeah. So hands get sweaty. Yeah. I get nervous. The day that we could like, would potentially meet him came, we were waiting on a text waiting on a text we were like okay it's it's not gonna happen mm. like of course so we ordered ordered our dinner we had a big bowl of, of some good curry <laughs> and the moment the food arrives bling we get a text <laughs> hey guys we're at this restaurant you can come now yeah don't mind eating. drop everything yeah drop yeah. everything that you're doing hop yeah. in a taxi and go yeah and i thought we we are going there to take a picture and leave yeah and we arrived and we spoke to Landon, which is uh, yeah, his guy. He's always there. 
And at one point, I'm like, hey, but maybe he's not, he isn't even here. Like, we are just here to have a conversation with the manager. Yeah. And at one point, he said, do you guys still want to meet Khabib? I was like, that's what I'm here for. Of course <laughs> I want to meet Khabib. So he said, yeah, walk with me to the back. And uh, Khabib was there. Islam Makachev was there. Like, his whole, oh, his whole wow. team was there. Yeah. And he came up. Of course, we took a picture. Hands are shaking. Hands are sweaty. <laughs> so I, I, gave him a, I gave him a hand. Wow. And he, he actually took the... T- I think we spoke with him for like 20 minutes. Wow. And he was questioning me like, uh, Champions League winner of 1992. I'm like, I, don't know. I wasn't even born yet. <laughs> don't, don't question me. He's like, you're not a football fan. You, you can't work it. You can't work it. Good here. to mention it was in, in, uh, in Dubai. Yeah, yeah, it was in and, Dubai. Um, the week after, there was an, a UFC event. Yeah. Uh, a pretty big UFC event, yeah. which you attended also, right? Yeah, yeah. So first meeting Khabib was so crazy. He, he was testing your football knowledge. Because yeah, he he's was a football freak, right? He knows Khabib everything. Knows yeah. everything. Yeah. Right. Ask him a year who 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 has won the Champions League. Nigerian he knows it. Winger, 1998. He knows it. He knows it. Yeah. He knows it. Yeah, he yeah. loves football. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. But besides meeting Khabib, there was something else because um, there was a UFC event. Headlining McGregor Poirier 2 Yeah. Back at the time in Abu Dhabi. We were having a having dinner with Damy and Kwang, the former videographer. And Damy said, also very casual, because he didn't know we met Khabib. He's like, Do you guys like UFC? Because I can get you guys two tickets. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> no, you can't. There's no way. He's For- like, Yeah, yeah, I just got a call if I wanted to go, but I don't like fighting. So <laughs> do you guys want to go? Like, yes, I want to go. One, the tickets are crazy expensive. Two, you have to go to Abu Dhabi. And what are the chances that you're actually close to Abu Dhabi and someone can get you tickets? So I was blown away. But he said it on Friday night. Mm. And the fight was from Saturday to Sunday in the morning. Yeah. But to cross the border from Dubai to Abu Dhabi, you needed to have a negative COVID test. All right. So we were like, no way. And he said it at like 1230 at, at night. So we're like, okay, we have 28 hours. We have to go now and quick. So we went to the hotel, took a taxi, arrived at the hospital. Huge white tent. We went into the tent. I'm not even kidding. I think 200 people coughing, looking ill. Oh, we're no. like, oh, this is not the place where you want to be. Because, of course, we also have to go home after. Yeah. So we, we waited two, three hours to eventually have the test. With just having the hopes that you have the result on time so you can cross the border to Abu Dhabi. Came home at five, wake up at seven in the morning because we also had a shoot that day. Yeah. Finished everything, looked at the phone, no result. Went for dinner, looked at the phone, we have the results. And now let's hope that they're actually negative so we can go. Tests are negative. We rented a car, went straight to bed because we had to wake up at like three in the morning. (laughs) So we drove there. Everything went smooth because they can give you a hard time sometimes crossing from Dubai to Abu Dhabi. Mm. We arrived and it's pretty much unreal arriving there. First of all, we came in, we entered and I was with Kwang and it was, I think, four in the morning when we arrived. And a guy asked us, do you want a wristband? I'm like, no, like, why would I want a wristband? He's like, so you can get alcohol. I was like, no, man, it's five in the morning. And I looked at Kwang. Kwang looked at me. We were like, mm. <laughs> maybe a beer. <laughs> maybe a little one. <laughs> so we went inside, bought a half a liter, just watched the fight, enjoyed, enjoyed a bit too much. Then first Chandler overhooking, then like uh, hooking. Dan Hooker. Dan Hooker, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when McGregor, it's so surreal because you watched so many YouTube videos yeah. of his walkout. And then 
you're there. All the lights go out. You hear the song. You get goosebumps. You see he, he's actually walking out. The stadium goes crazy. Yeah. Like nuts. Yeah. Completely crazy. Nothing that I, I've ever experienced. And then the fight ended how it ended. Yeah, he got yeah. knocked out in the second round, if I'm not wrong. Looking back, it's crazy how things sometimes align. Yeah. And it's because of 43, you experience these kinds of things and you come home with so many stories. Like so, sometimes you forget and somebody has yeah. to remind you like, oh, remember that this happened? I'm like, oh, true. Yeah, I completely forgot about it. Yeah, that's yeah. great, man. That's insane. All right, guys, we've been uh, talking for uh, for quite a long time already. But I'm curious what you have, what you are proud of of the last last month. What did you do? Yeah, there are a couple of things. I was very proud of the uh, episode on Iraqi football, uh, the history of football in Iraq. Uh, quite a w- rough history, that country, of course. But um, uh, we posted a podcast with Yunis uh, Mahmoud, one of their legends. And the amount of uh, reactions we got from people from Iraq was insane, man. Uh, my, my Instagram was also <laughs> flooded with reactions and they are so kind. So they were they really appreciated that. So that was cool. And next week on the podcast, we'll have the story of Ayo Akinola. He's uh, not well known yet. He's a Canadian football player who's very talented. And he has a very intense personal story. His parents come from Nigeria. They uh, moved to America at first and then uh, settled in Canada. They separated and his mother basically raised Ayo and his brother on her own. And she had a very, very rough time. They lived in shelters for a while and it's quite a miracle that he even made it to this level so um yeah that's a very personal story uh, about a young talented player uh, that will be in the podcast next week yeah that's a in the end a great story as well so i'm looking forward to that as well yeah i'm looking forward to it as well i think it's good that you give those stories also a platform yeah i like to tell those stories man yeah of, yeah. of course yeah. yeah those stories need to be need to be heard as well thanks man so well done All right, thanks guys. It was a pleasure once again. Let's do this again in a month or so. For sure. Yes, and thank you for the great introduction. I think I deserved it as well. Yeah. To be as humble as I think. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Thank Thank you. Thank you. Hi guys, Frankie here. I just filmed the podcast with 433. I'm Mario Götze. My name is Clarence Seedorf. Hi, I'm Sunil Chetri. I just finished my podcast with 433. Hello, 433 fans. This is Gibraltar. Yo, what's going on, people? It's your boy, Adi Barak Infema, a.k.a. Mr. Beast Mode. I just finished the podcast with 433. Hi, 433 fans. It's Don Robbie in the building, right? And we are here for a great podcast. I want you to check it out. Hi, 433. I am Fabrizio Romano. Check out my story on the podcast. It was a great pleasure.